Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion today. We're so glad you could join us. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. Thank you for joining us. We will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 185 of Miscellany and 61 of Divinity Course and General Collectania. The peace of love is published, and the sword of the Spirit is drawn, nor will it be sheathed till truth shall reign triumphant over all the earth. Truth, life, and love are formidable wherever thought, felt, spoken or written, in the pulpit, in the courtroom, by the wayside, or in our homes. They are the victors never to be vanquished. O oh, keep me ever seeing thee, and seeing as thou seest, my life, my joy, my all. O oh, that in influx of divine light and glory may enter each and every one of our hearts, and that you be endued anew with power from on high. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. And the watching point. Watch number 269. Watch lest you feel confused by the fact that at times in her letters and early editions on Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy wrote, You are spirit. Although this mode of expression does not appear in the latest editions of her work, nevertheless, she never indicated that it was incorrect. The story goes that once Mrs. Eddy touched Adam Dickey's hand and asked him what it was. When he declared that it was matter, she said, No, it is spirit. He demurred, but Mrs. Eddy again repeated her assertion. Then he quoted the textbook as saying, quote, God is spirit and man is spiritual, unquote. She then said, nevertheless, Mr. Dickey, it is spirit, unquote. Here Mrs. Eddy was proving the faithfulness and consistency of her demonstration, showing that no matter how emphatically the senses testified to the lie that Mr. Dickey was matter, she had made the demonstration to see that he was spirit. If you viewed a beautiful garden in the bright sunshine and then got lost in the same garden at night so that every plant appeared to be some fearful monster, if you touched one, your memory would tell you that it was a lovely bloom if you could subdue your fear sufficiently to recall this fact. On August 23, 1887, she wrote to Mrs. Emma Thompson, quote, I trust you are strong and know that there is but one mind and that this mind governs you, permeates your body and brains with truth. Hence, there is no room for error to steal in, and matter is not you. You are spirit, the idea of God, and the mind that was in Jesus must be in you. For God is all, the outside and inside of truth, and its ideas. Thank you. <clears throat> Any comments on that? <clears throat> you wrote about it on the forum, Jeremy. Yeah, I remember that in the, um, <clears throat> the, the blue book, that there was that... Um, the, it said that Mrs. Eddie touched Adam Dickey's hand with her finger and said, what is this? And, she, and he replied, matter. And she said, no, it is not. It is spirit. And, and after his denials, when he left the room, Mrs., he told Mrs. Sargent what happened. And she said, oh, Mr. Dickey, why did you say that? Mother was trying to give you her highest teaching. And uh, <laughs> it just really impressed me this week, and it got me thinking about that a lot. You know, there's a lot of times when we come here, a lot that we're told we don't understand immediately. 
And uh, I was reading in precepts, Gilbert Carpenter says, sometimes you just have to file this away and know <laughs> that right. later you'll, you'll right. get it. And that's a, that's a good thing. So. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> well, I think that that's the key is, you know, this was her highest teaching. This is the highest, most valuable thing that we could ever learn if we will take the time and effort to learn it. She once, she also once said that something, and I, I, I don't have the quote right, but um, the, the idea that matter is nothing is best left, not talked about, but rather lived, because it would, it would be so, um, I guess, so ridiculous to the human mind that it might put people off unnecessarily. So the idea that all is spirit, you know, is, is a challenge to live with and, and really learn it as a reality. But we, it is the ideal that we have to strive for. And if we're willing to strive for it, it, it opens up heaven on earth. And, and the way you do it is to focus on the spirit, the, the spiritual part. Because what sometimes happens is, is you end up thinking about your body trying to spiritualize it or something like that. And then, then you get all caught up and you, you, you can't do it. It's like Jeremy was talking about, what was it, about chocolate cake or something when you're on a diet? Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, somebody had mentioned about trying to quit smoking, and I said, you know, it's a shame <laughs> that the signs say no smoking because it just brings it up. It would be like, you know, for some people, if they had signs that say no fresh brownies, you know, that would be <laughs> all you think about. <laughs> I think also um, maybe if you say spirit, uh, people then say, I'm God, and we're not. Um, yes. We are God manifested, yes, we are God reflected, yes, but we are not God. And I often think of the sun and its rays. Uh, the rays are not the sun, but they reflect the sun. Um, that helped help me. But I think it's something you just, is gradually you will be seeing your own self as spiritual, you know, this matter thing <laughs> it's not matter it's spirit yeah yeah it's just a false concept and it, it fades mm -hmm. away it becomes less important less mm -hmm. speaking in to you all the time it, it becomes a servant instead of a master and eventually it just fades away there's a beautiful quote i didn't i didn't bring it today but maybe dale or one of you can find it i gave it to you during the week mrs eddie in her article, Age, she talks about the light shining in you and through you uh, to will, do his will in every part of your being. And, and I love that quote, to think of it that way. Um, God is working in us, through us, and it's, it's spirit. It's not matter, it's spirit. And uh, yes, thank you for that clarification, Florence. It's very important. We're not God. We are not God, but God expresses himself through us. Okay, Dale, do you have it? Uh, yes, that one statement. Yes. You do now and ever must manifest the God life that is shining in you. It is working always in every part of your being to will and to do. Thank you. <clears throat> Just think of that. Because that's what's going on. Every part of your being, you've got some part of your being that's not behaving itself. Well, no. <laughs> Every part of your being, God is working in to will and to do. And it's spirit. Spirit, which is our subject, of course, this week. Um, and I liked yeah. what Jasmine said in her forum that Mary Baker Eddy is teaching me that there can be cannot be infinite spirit in anything or anyone besides. This is especially important since, quote, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God, the principle of immortal life, raised Christ Jesus from the dead, mortality, he will give immortal life to your mortal bodies, hero-bound forms, by this same spirit living within you. That's, end quote, Romans. It's a, not the King James Version, but. And then I accept ultimately spirit is omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience will be experienced as my complete fulfillment outside of a matter-bound existence. By the light of wisdom, I'm able to perceive to my degree that I am infinite spirit. I am that. I am that I am. So we take these, we take these truths at face value, as we've talked about, and know it and, and apply it and work with it. And even though we don't seem to demonstrate it all the time, the more you work with it, the more you will demonstrate. And then I love... Um, a while ago. And Jesus promised that if we do that, in other words, if we believe on him, we will have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what he meant when he said, if you believe on me. In other words, first of all, believe that what I'm telling you is true. Believe that what I'm showing you proves that it's true. And then work at it, and you'll begin to understand it. And if you work at it faithfully, you will have eternal life. You will experience immortality. I just wanted to say, in in the Bible a lot, he says, you know, verily, verily. And in that movie, The Gospel of John, Jesus in there, he said, I'm telling you the truth. And I've always, I thought it a lot since then. Thank you, I'm yes. you the truth. Yes. <laughs> And in that um, article that Florence found, um, uh, the Spiritual Consultations by Rosalie Moss Stamp, which is on our website, she she makes such a good point. Um, All the forces and resources of life, truth, and love are, are, are on your side. In reality, there are not two sides, but only one. Now... You accept this in arithmetic. Accept it in the science of being. Accept that all there is is spirit. Now, we don't question arithmetic, do we? We don't sit, oh my gosh, two plus two equals five. Oh dear me. We, we don't, or, or, or is, does it equal five or does it equal four? No, we just know that it's a principle, it's true, and we know the truth. We don't question it. Um, and that article, it was an article Jeremy put on the website about sight by Mrs. Eddy. She says, you know, a child might believe that two plus two is five or something like that, but you know that it's four. Hmm. Well, and they can't know it. And, yeah, but we must know this truth, know it to be true. Don't vacillate and think maybe it's not. It is true. And how foolish of us. How foolish of us not to accept it when here we've been given it and and it's been proven and proven and proven. And today we're just going to go deeper into this idea that we are spirit, spiritual beings, or however you want to think of it. But um, And I loved what Jasmine brought out, that this same mind that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is with you. That is an awesome thought. Mm-hmm. We're just scratching the surface of what spirit can do. So think about that and, and be blessed by it um, because that's the truth. All right. Now, where was I going to go next? <clears throat> um I was sent, no, I know I know where I was going to go next. Before we go. Golden text or. (laughs) No, no, no. Before we go into this, there were just a few things on the lesson love that I wanted to, um, that I, I, there was so much I didn't get to last week. But one, well, there were two beautiful articles that Carrie sent me. Which I didn't bring, but I think it was McCracken. We have so many of these Scottish guys, William McCracken, Kilpatrick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, he wrote 
really you all you carol and jeremy got them they were one was i think compassion one was loving kindness i want to make sure they're in the on the website and also in our upcoming liberators okay and then this is a very important quote that came to me when i needed it and then i couldn't find it for so long and now i found it again and it is this it's from the blue book on page 224 the real christian science compact is love for one another this bond is wholly spiritual and inviolate you should never be violated in thought or action even for the sake excuse me it should never be violated in thought or action even for the sake of maintaining the purity of the letter of christian science for the spirit the reflection of divine love is always more important than the letter now you see if any of you watch chosen or just read the bible you see where this following the letter got the Sanhedrin and all the Pharisees and Sadducees all bound up, mixed up. Trying to, trying to <laughs> obey 643 different rules that contradicted one another unless they were totally spiritually interpreted, which, which most of them didn't do. Didn't work. No, but Christian scientists get boggled up in all this too. And around the time I found that, we had had visitors from New Hampshire here, and, and there was a couple, and they had been very, very new to Christian science, and they were very excited about it, and they were going to their branch church in New Hampshire, right? And the woman decided to buy for the nursery, she bought this little teddy bear, and on it, it had a little tag that said, Jesus loves you. Well, holy moly, <laughs> the, 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 the attendant and the nurse, oh, well, we can't have this. I, I have no idea why. I don't, even, I don't know, because it wasn't Christ Jesus or something. We, we don't talk about Jesus. I don't know. Anyway, he returned it to that woman who felt crushed. Here is a new person trying to do a kind thing. And, and this, this person, this so-called Christian scientist <laughs> nursery. who ran the nursery cast a stone on her heart. Pushed her away from expressing love. And deprived the children from a little teddy bear that said, Jesus loves you. I, I mean, it, it's just that, and around that time I found that quote from Mrs. Eddie and I said, thank you, thank you because this must be emblazoned in our hearts. And if we ever see people getting uppity and lettery and pushing this and that and not being loving, that is not Christian science. Maybe I think that's why on page 444 of Science and Health, he reads that students are advised by the author to be charitable and kind not only towards different forms of religion and medicine, but to those who hold these different opinions. Let us be faithful in pointing the way through Christ as we understand it, but let us also be careful always to judge righteous judgment and never to condemn rashly. Thank you. Yes, and that, and follow, thank you, Florence, and following that, she quotes, whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to the other also. Thank you, Florence. There, there is, and only, only the spirit within you can determine when it's right and when it's wrong. There's sometimes you do need to speak out, and sometimes you do need to rebuke. It depends. It just depends on who you're talking to and the situation. There are no fast rules. But that's why it's so important to work every day to be in that in the spirit. And that way, that way you know to rebuke mortal mind when it's trying to take over. You know to rebuke self righteousness when it's trying to take over. Those are the things that deserve a rebuke. A heart full of love does not deserve a rebuke. 
And even if at that point, maybe it was a human sense, it doesn't matter. She was new. It's so a teaching opportunity. Yeah. An example of, of kindness. But, but I would see this or I would hear about it in, in the branch churches, this carrying on about stupid things. It's <laughs> not worth it. Um, so anyway, this, this indwelling sense, the, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Christians say, what, what was it, Pentecost, when the Spirit came down and um, something that dwells within you. And it is. We know it. Mrs. Eddy calls that divine science, our teacher the one that's in us that helps us, guides us as to what the right thing to do and what, what the wrong thing to do. And if you're always having that ear that's attuned to the overture of angels, as Mrs. Eddy said, you will know what's the right thing and, and what's actually <clears throat> could be cruel. And as Linda said, it would roll a stone oh, on the heart. On the heart. And then Linda had found something she wrote about on the forum last week about charity. We talked about helping others. And what did Mrs. Eddy say about that? It's from the preface and miscellaneous writings. I'm not going to, there's a couple of words I can't pronounce. So basically it's a quote from a, a philosopher and she goes on to say, quote, a certain Apophem of a comedical philosopher. We usually give those to Gary. Suits my sense of doing good. It reads thus, quote, The noblest charity is to prevent a man from accepting charity, and the best alms are to show and to enable a man to dispense with alms, end quote. Yeah, and that's what we all should be doing. Um giving this truth to others so that they can demonstrate it for themselves. And we had some, um, this week, people sent me testimonies. Uh, and actually, Patricia wrote about one on the forum. Is she here? Oh, oh dear. Oh, well, she wrote one on the forum uh, about, well, a family that was really starving, right? It was very dire. And someone sent them some Christian science literature about God being love and uh, how it just changed the woman. The woman began to see everything differently. And they ended up getting water, <laughs> what, out of a rock or something, just as Moses did. Did you read it, Jeremy? Did yeah, <clears throat> I could see plenty of water coming out of a little gravel hill. So. Yeah, and, and she attributed all that to just sharing that these people had shared this truth with them. All right, so do you, do you want to say something about your forum post? Oh, it was a lovely uh, demonstration. The, the main idea, I was thinking when reading about uh, living water in our lesson on how uh, William D. Kirkpatrick in his book, All Being is Consciousness, brought out the idea of how just a little drop of water is so potent and transforming that it changes the whole picture um, if you're really open to it. And he had given literature to a lady in Montana who sent him a letter and showed him the results of it all. And uh, to abbreviate it, uh, she was saying that it had been so dry in the prairie that the animals were dying. In fact, the stench of it was terrible. Their horses were poor and weak, and she would have even gladly given away all of her livestock if anybody could so much as feed them. But people couldn't. And um, she said there were 16 head of cattle, some calves, four horses. And they weren't anything to her. They're just almost as good as dead. And um, she mentioned the cows had gone dry and they couldn't get milk or butter. And uh, she said, I don't think you could possibly understand how hopeless it all was. The $8 a month from the government kept us alive from starving, but just not the cattle. Even the Russian thistle was scarce, but the water, um, we just couldn't pull through. So um, she said the chickens were doing okay because they had grasshoppers to eat. But she was, it was so desperate that she was just hoping and praying that they could 
that she could die. And then she got the wonderful literature from him, and she read a bit of it and uh, didn't get through all the rest when the idea came so clear to her that, you know, if God could help Moses with the rock and send forth water, the idea came to her about a gravel pit. And she thought, well, just had this idea, a clear idea of the water, go to the gravel pit and start digging for water. And her husband, uh, Walter, thought she'd gone clear crazy. Uh, and uh, But no, she had the sense that God had sent her, and they started digging. And she said, Walter and I, Walter started digging, and I helped him. And at 10 feet, we got some water, made our curbing, and dug on to 16 feet. We got eight feet of water, all we needed for ourselves, and they were giving some to the neighbors for their house use. And she really learned um, just the, and uh, it was pointed out, this is just one illustration of how an inkling of truth operating in human consciousness will change the entire picture which our wrong thinking has painted. So I thought, well, if a drop of water is so potent, just imagine what can happen when we give a whole cup of living water to our neighbors, as Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health. Millions of unprejudiced minds, simple seekers for truth, weary wanderers athirst in the desert are waiting and watching for rest and drink. Give them a cup of cold living spiritual water in Christ's name and never fear the consequences. So it's not just helping out physically, which is wonderful, but uh, they need truth. And I just thought how Plainfield, true Christian science church, is certainly throwing a lot of cool cups, even gallons of living truth in our faces, so to speak, to wake us up. Oh, thank you, God, and thank you, Plainfield. Well, well, and this is this the true sense of, of charity, isn't it? Because it, it gave that tremendous help. That person will never be the same again. You could try to bring gallons of water to that area, and it would still run short. But this is the living waters of truth that are, are never, they never run dry. And it was a beautiful example. And this was the, the, the less sounds like the lesson that Jesus gave the woman at the well in Samaria, right? Yes, yeah. thank you. A beautiful illustration in the lesson this week. Thank you. Now then, we got I got something from Anne in um, England. It she said uh, was reading addresses and other writings on Christian Science by Doris Henty, and she it quotes rudimental divine science. The spiritual power of scientific right thought without a direct effort, an audible or even mental treatment, has oftentimes heals, healed inveterate diseases. So, and then she talks, goes on to talk about a friend, a very close friend who was suffering from insurmountable problems. Her, hus her husband was a, an alcoholic, terrible, I guess, and, and also very immoral, complete absence of morals. Um, so she was on her way there to give her friend some rest. And she said, one night, quite late, an urgent message came from me to go to my friend. As usual, my brother took me by car. It was a glorious moonlit night. As my brother was expressing appreciation for the beauty of the moonlit scenery, I suddenly remembered that on the previous occasion when I was called, we had just such a beautiful moonlight. I remarked on this fact and quoted... This is from Science and Health. The planets have no more power over man than over his maker. Page 102. Just that, nothing more. But the simple spiritual fact was indeed mighty in power. We simply saw God's man untouched by planetary influence. That was enough. The patient was instantly, completely, and permanently healed, not only of alcoholism, but also of lack of morals. Now, that is an example of one specific truth going out and reaching and accomplishing its purpose, even though it, was, it wasn't really directed or anything. Um, and this is, we don't know what our watches do sometimes. You give those truths, who it will reach. 
It's it's always, however, the receptive thought in some way receptive. Um, I thought it was interesting in watching The Chosen, you know, when he went to the Pool of Bethesda, there were a lot of other people there in serious trouble, right? Yes. But he he felt sent and directed to this one man, and that accomplished a tremendous healing. But not everybody there was healed, were they? And I, I mean, I used to know why. I don't actually know why, except this person was ready for the healing. And and Christ Jesus brought that out. Yes, you've been here a long time, haven't you? Seeking. It was his time, and the healing took place. But again, this is the power of, of spirit. And then the, the beautiful YouTube that Parthen sent us on how the leopard Diablo became spirit. And if you haven't seen it, everyone should watch that. It's just it's very beautiful. It's black. Yeah, only watch it when you have a moment to cry. So. Yeah. <laughs> and cry in a good way. That's amazing. Yeah, this beautiful black leopard who had been mistreated and then called Diablo, which I think means devil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. yes. And he, he got all that, this leopard. He knew that this was not good. This was not right. And he was mad. And everyone who approached him, he went to this sanctuary farm. And this German man, I think he was, he was so wonderful with these animals. It's incredible. He's hugging lions and tigers and um, had this rapport. But this, this black leopard, he couldn't reach. He just snarled and snarled and snarled. And then this woman who knew how to speak to the animals. And what was that? It was the one mind, right? Yeah. The yes. one mind. Mm -hmm. And and found out what was troubling that animal. He was mad yeah. being called the devil. He was mad. He had had two little leopard cups and uh -huh. experience, and he didn't know what happened to them. He was worried about his leopard cups. He was a kind and beautiful and magnificent animal. And when this leopard whisperer reached him, he became peaceful and calm and uh, walked out of his cage for the first time, stopped snarling for the first time. and Very quickly. Yes, very quickly. It was the one mind communicating, the spirit communicating itself and i mean it's just and then and then the man who owned the sanctuary i mean he just cried his yeah. eyes out yeah. so beautiful that he changed that name really from yeah from diablo to spirit beautiful what a lesson for us all right yes yeah. i feel such a lesson oh my gosh hello Yes. Hi, this is Ingrid. Uh, I just uh, you mentioned in these sanctuaries, and uh, I'm very familiar with them. I've been in many. There are many north of Los Angeles where I live, and it's so amazing to go. It always reminds me of the promise of Isaiah about the lion will lie down with the lamb. Yes. And if anybody wants to experience this, I'm just sharing uh, and, and really leave this, go to an animal sanctuary. There are many uh, all over the country because every time I go there, I experience that, pro that pro uh, prophecy of Isaiah. So it's happening now already. It's just not happening everywhere. But... Please, animal sanctuary, if you want to leave that beautiful thing, the animals are so different in that in a farm. And that prophecy is here already, it's been here already for a long time. Uh, and, and we can leave it for at least, you know, a day or a while or whatever, just sharing that beauty of God right here. Thank you, Ingrid. That's beautiful. And someone wrote me this week how much she's appreciated what you have given in, in the roundtable. And she told me a funny story. She'd been listening to the the uh, 
chorus, our chorus singing, you can't be a beacon if your light don't shine. But she said when she was listening to it, it sounded, she thought they were saying, you can't be a vegan. <laughs> you can't be a vegan if your light don't shine. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Funny story. Anyway, so thank you, Ingrid, for all that you give us. Much appreciated. All right, so now we have uh, a beautiful testimony, which we should put up on our website. It's called, it was from Karen, um, and it's by an Anna Van Luyen, March 1918 issue of the journal. And it's a testimony, and it's called The Truth That Man is Spiritual. Okay, Karen, you can tell us about that testimony. Well, it was it was referred to in a lecture I was listening to by Daniel Jensen, which was called Beginning Rightly. And he was talking the, the most significant thing that he was that he wanted to bring out about it was how this woman who was in desperate straits, I mean she was given just weeks to live and there was so many physical things wrong with her and she was couldn't see well and she had already lost um, one of her ears, had, had, had the bone removed, and there was nothing there to even hear with, physically speaking. Uh, and she was in desperate straits. And this friend, of, she went to live with this friend because she, she needed, she was desperate, she needed so much help. Uh, but she, she sort of hesitated a little bit to go there because this woman she knew was a Christian scientist, and she didn't want Christian science pushed on her. She wasn't um, but she was so desperate, she had to, she had to um, take her offer and, and stay with her. And all this woman did was um, to help her. She, she just said, if you can't sleep or um, just hear science and health, just pick it up and I know it can help you, but that's all she did. And so this woman eventually started in her desperation, picked up science and health and started to read. And the, the point that, that Daniel Jensen wanted to bring out in this testimony was how she read Science and Health. She couldn't read for very long. So she took a sentence. As she started to read, she just took a, read a sentence and stopped and thought about it and said to herself, now I can't accept this because somebody else is Do I accept it? How do I believe this? And she did that with every sentence that she read. And before long, I, I can't remember how much, but it was very quick. Her whole, her whole, she just she got out of bed. She got dressed. She was completely healed. And not only that, but not only could she see from eyes that she hadn't been able to, you know, it's very difficult. She forgot for a moment that she couldn't hear out of one of her ears because the eardrum was missing. And she inadvertently picked up her watch to see if it was running, and she could hear the ticking of her watch. And she, in her whole life, had not been able to hear out of that. It had no eardrum, and yet she could hear perfectly. And she was a teacher, had been a teacher, and she went to um, the doctor that had you know, pronounced her, but, you know, she wasn't going to live very much longer. And he examined her and couldn't believe the result of, of what Christian science had done for her. And she went back to work. It's an incredible testimony. And, and but how she read science and health um, was also a very important part of the testimony, I thought. Thank you. Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you. Yes. Now, this is it. This is translating yourself back into spirit. Uh, the, we see because God sees, not because we have human eyeballs. We hear because God hears. We, we move. Everything we do is because of God. And people talk about, oh, you know, what are we going to do if the world blows up? We'll have to fly off to Mars or something. Or what are we going to do? You know, you get old and your body rots. Well, <laughs> well there's one thing we're going to do. We're going to translate ourselves into spirit, okay? And then we'll be just fine. <laughs> Everything will be great. <laughs> Heaven on earth. And and why not start now where we are with whatever it is we're dealing with? Now this is a this is a 
article you almost put into your arsenal. This is one that has meant so much to me over the years. It's one I remember Mr. Evans found it in an old journal, and it is called Sight by A. Kroger. It's on our website. This letter was written by a Christian science practitioner to a patient born totally blind. It brought complete healing to the patient. My dear, I want you to see what must take place in your consciousness. With the utmost clarity, you must see that material eyes do not need healing, for matter does not see, and nothing we can say or do about it can ever give it that which it never had, namely sight. What must be cast out is the lie about the truth, namely that sight is material and not spiritual. And then this, I love this. You may rejoice that you have come to the point in your journey from sense to soul where divine love is forcing you to lay hold on what Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health. Quote, metaphysics resolves things into thoughts and exchange the objects of sense for the ideas of soul. You have a problem, we, we rejoice. Because this is the place you jump off into spirit okay you just give it all to spirit you trust the rules that mrs eddie has given us you get deeper into who and what you are as god's spiritual idea deeper into the scientific statement of being carrie sent me maybe we should put that on the website too just all these uh different editions of science and health uh scientific <coughs> statement of being you are not material, you are spiritual. And she leads that up logically, right? She builds her point, she builds her point and comes with that. So this is the point you're at if you're having any kind of a difficulty. This is, this is what's so wonderful about difficulties. This is why, um, you know, the, the fruit of the spirit, in order to get that fruit of the spirit, you have to be so fed up with self so fed up with your material life, seeing it has no good in it, no great possibilities. It's all a dead road. And then you're ready to jump into spirit. And then when you do that, then God can use you. He, he inflows. It's, it's the, the vine going into the branch and the fruit of the spirit becomes. Not because you did it, not because anything you did except surrendering yourself to God totally surrendering not rededicating surrendering <laughs> i love in that chosen you know when mary had a mary magdala has a relapse and goes back to her old ways and she comes back so um upset with herself and and you know not even wanting to face christ jesus and he says he tells her and, and she says, I can't do it. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. I can't do it. She doesn't deserve to be there. Yeah. And all the father wants is what? Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. Remember, when you feel like it's too much, give him your heart. Surrender to him. Tell him you're incapable of anything on your own. I have my own self can do nothing. I just want to say it reminds me of Mrs. A saying... <clears throat> Uh, man's extremity is God's opportunity. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So then this article goes on, but that was one of the main points to me that you, you have to, your point in your journey from sense to soul. M many people have told me how much they love that hymn we sing from sense to soul. My pathway lies before me. Okay. And then it says, the first thing that we see in this healing is that the object of sense, a frail belief called material eye, which in turn is preyed upon by other beliefs called age, accident, disease, etc., has nothing in reality to do with a harmonious, ever-present, ever-active spiritual quality called sight. All that needs to be done is to replace the false sense of sight with the true God-given one. Sight is no more dependent on matter than is honesty, kindness, love, mental qualities which are free to express at will and to use as much and as often as we wish. The more we use these qualities, the more strength and vigor they gain in our thinking, and they are never weakened 
impaired or strained by constant use, but grow stronger thereby. So will it ever be with sight when we see that it too is purely mental. This is that he said if, in the science and health, it were, if it were possible for all the real senses of man to be injured, soul could reproduce them in all their perfection. But they cannot be disturbed or destroyed since they exist in immortal mind and not in matter. And then, the cause of all loss and suffering is not because matter is diseased. Now, this is very important. But because of the breaking of the first commandment. Right? Isn't this what we learn here? Mm -hmm. We believe that there's another God before the one God. Spirit. Keep the first commandment separate from separate sight from matter. Restore it to mind where it belongs and all fear and suffering depart. Again, the cause of all suffering and loss is not because matter is a problem, but because you're breaking the first commandment. You're, you're not, thinking there is something other than God. Yes. We're departing from God is all. We think that we have a diseased matter. No, we're breaking the first commandment. We get, get everything aligned right. Okay? So, evil is nothing. It is neither a quality, a quantity, a person, a place, or a thing. It is, it is always it. And it is nothing. The belief it is a seeming absence of good, just as hate is a seeming absence of love. Oh, it is, that's what it is a belief in. When we bring a positive love into our thinking, negative hate disappears. For hate is, the, is only the seeming absence of love. And then, one of the definitions of blind in the dictionary is without light morally and intellectually, indiscriminating, something to mislead the eye or understanding. Blindness was given as a want of discernment, heedlessness. It's interesting, you look up where Mrs. Eddy talks about blind in science and health, you know, headlong, just going off ground, just not thinking. Blindness is the expression of blind belief. Sight is spiritual perception, understanding, revelation. Hate and fear are darkness. And then from Science and Health, love redolent with unselfishness bathes all in beauty and light. Psalmist prayed, open thou, thou mine eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of thy law. So must we pray constantly that our eyes be open to light and love and to be obedient thereto. Mrs. Eddy says that there is no place where the light of revelation of truth and of spiritual ideas is not seen. Man is the likeness of his maker, reflects a central man in the likeness of his maker, reflects the central light of being, the invisible God, science and health. So then, in our textbook, are words mighty in power to break this dream of sightlessness. And then, quote, the instructor indestructible faculties of spirit exist without the conditions of matter and also without the false beliefs of so-called material existence. End quote. Science and health. You do that for sight, you can do it for anything, right? The truth is the truth. But we are translating ourselves into what we really are. And in that way, we find our completeness. And yes, I like this. Go, ahead, please. go ahead. No, I like uh, Martha Wilcox. I think it's where it says that every fiber and cell in me screams, I am. I think that brings this whole idea of spirit, mm -hmm. everything being spirit, spiritual, uh, to light. It's a beautiful quote in that the second article body. Every cell, fiber, muscle, everything of your being is declaring, I am. It's declaring the presence of God. It's a tremendous, all of these things you should have in what I call your arsenal. So when Era tries to chit-chat to you, you can kick it the heck out. <laughs> and when we do this, do we lose anything? No. No. We, we gain everything. We gain everything. Exactly. And that's what Mrs. Eddy says. 
Citation four, the individuality of man is no less tangible because it's spiritual, because his life is not at the mercy of matter. The understanding of a spiritual individuality makes man more real, more formidable in truth, and enables him to conquer sin, disease, and death. Now, if that isn't dominion, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. All right, we're going to end on, this is from some notes on true vision by John Morgan, and this is what he says about spirit. Spirit is the only true conception of being, quite separate from the human concept and always correcting it. Correcting the view is a function of spirit. And so spiritual clear-sightedness is natural to me, distinguishing all things as they really are. Through spirit, I see all things rightly, clearly, correctly, distinctly, spiritually. This gives me discernment so that I differentiate between one idea and another, also between true and false. This firmament of spirit gives me perception, perceptiveness, perspicacity. It opens the eyes of my understanding. It shows me what is real and what is unreal. The clear sight of spirit does not blind me to faults and errors. Rather, I detect them more clearly, but as unrealities. I discern only the good and look to to, and the true to be real. And so my eye is single. I positively look for the real, the good, and the true. In spirit, good vision is natural, and it is irreversible. Because spirit is forever unfolding reality, my vision is daily increasingly clearer. I am glad to see old concepts and false opinions disappear. Spirit brings me new views the true new idea and so brings to birth in my vision the new man it is spirit that does the seeing not flesh and the senses of spirit are indestructible and perfect my outlook is always positive never negative because my vision is spiritual john Morton. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.